This is from Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Thanks, Laura. So just some uh, reflections on that. Um, the... So I've given you the context of, of where that um, is in terms of why I'm thinking it might be, be relevant, but just the context from a Bible perspective, I'm sure many of you know this, but uh, Jesus was baptized, then he was tested, um, tempted by the devil, then he went on and started his ministry. So this is, this is just before he kind of went out. So again, there's a parallel there if you think about what's going on with the life of our church. Um, and, you know, if we think that this... I think when I've heard this uh, passage beforehand, I've always, I mean, it's sometimes a time of Lent, and all you're thinking about is, oh, I've got to give stuff up and feel guilty and, you know, not eat chocolate and stuff like that. And I think sometimes we miss the point of how this, these types of temptation can affect all of us. And actually, there's, there's, a, there's almost a completeness in the temptation, if that makes sense. They, they cover different aspects of things that you can be tempted of for. And every believer... And particularly if you think every believer just after baptism is likely to, as they think about what is my life going to, where am I pointing, what's my purpose, these are some of the temptations that we face. Um, and as a church, as we think, what is our purpose, these are some of the temptations that we might face. Um, and so we'll look at that. Now just a sort of couple of quick asides before then. Notice, do you mind just putting it up on the, on the thing? So... Notice um, who led, if you just think about it, without looking at the Bible verse, why was Jesus tempted? Like, where did that come from? Was it intended? Was it an accident? You know, did he seek it out? So a couple of things to point out. Jesus was led by the Spirit, so it was entirely intended, and um, into the wilderness to be, to be tested. So this was a deliberate thing. It was initiated by the Spirit, um, and um, it was in the wilderness, right? So it's a, it's a desert place. There's things that you will miss in that, in that space. It's not going to be your usual, I've got everything that I need and, you know, um, all of my needs are met through what I have. So he actually sort of took himself away from the regular, normal day life and some things were missing um, in order to be tempted, okay? And obviously this, this points out, you know, temptation itself is not a sin, in case that is something which needs to be pointed out. Um, it's what you do with it. 
um, which is the thing. And, and actually, the spirit led him into that place. So it's, about, it's, it's thinking about a, a position of moving forwards beyond that, actually in greater strength. Um, and if you just take a step back, there's two things to just point out. You've got the word and the spirit hand in hand here. The spirit is doing the leading. And then every single time when Jesus responds to the devil, he's, he's resting on the word of God. And that's what he's stating. And those are two things. You know, the, it's not the word that's leading. It's the spirit that leads. But he rests on the word as his authority. Okay? And that's something that we can hold on to. And you know, if we're thinking about the word and spirit and what part they should play in our life, let's model ourselves on Jesus and how he uses them. So that's word and spirit. Second thing, wilderness and fasting. Um, I mean, wilderness and fasting, uh, sorry, wilderness or the desert place can take different forms in our life, right? Um, here, Jesus was literally in the wilderness, right? Um, and fasting was somewhat probably imposed on him. Um, you don't, you know, there may be other types of wilderness that people are going through, right? It could be uh, emotional, it could be relational, it could be financial, um, you know, it could be your position that you're actually in it. Even something, you know, your ministry, what you feel, this is what God's given me to do, starts to go wrong. You could be in a wilderness place. Um, and God is using that often to speak to us. Um, how we respond to it is key. And our human response is to try and fix everything up, patch it all up, crack on, you know. Avoid being in that wilderness place. Um, but actually, Jesus stayed there 40 days, and he was listening to God, and he was working in that space. Um, and the Spirit led him a response to fast. Now, fasting is um, its a choice, right? Um, obviously, it removes removing distractions. Um, it increases our dependency on God. It's not necessarily fasting of food. There could be other things that you fast from. A very common thing that people probably should be fasting from nowadays is this. Um, like seriously, it just gets into your everyday life all over. Right? It's quite insidious. And you know, it's good to have times when you just turn it off you know, for a whole day, possibly for a week, maybe a month over the summer. People who develop these things, they often expect their own children to do that. So, you know, it's, you just be super careful about our, our use of what, and what we're fasting from. It could be other things as well, right? But just um, something to bear in mind. Um, and in an affluent society, right, fasting is, is not easy, right? Because you, it's, it's just very easy to get everything we, we need. Um, we don't talk much about fasting at, at, in this church. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on it. Maybe I'm missing out. But that might be a mistake, you know? our response um, to, to when God leads us into a desert place, um, or at other times as well. Okay, so those are, those are preambles. Let's just think very quickly about these three um, parts of temptation and how they might be relevant for us as individuals or as a church. So the first one, uh, we've got stones into bread. And this you could summarize as it's the... So yes, there's something about our physical needs, and, and God is, is um, you know, it's, we're not just about physical needs. We also need God's spirit. You know, every word that comes from the mouth of God is what Jesus says. Um, but if you think about it from a church perspective, what does this mean? There's a, there's a temptation to meet needs, isn't there? 
the needs of the community. And we need to remind ourselves that you know, we have to have both hands meeting a need and presenting the word of God together. Um, you know, Jesus doesn't say, you don't live on bread at all, you only live on the word of God. He says, you don't live on bread, you don't, man doesn't live on bread alone. Um, and so we, we have to have those two things together. And, and sometimes it's tempting to be um, you know, impressive or effective or successful, relevant even. You know, old society doesn't know about God. Let's just be relevant and let's just meet where society's at. But that is straight humanism, right? We need to proclaim God. And, um, and people need to know that they need, to, 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 um, they need salvation from him. So our mission needs to be holistic, um, and we need to have a kind of complete view of salvation, which is, it, which is being saved, healed, delivered. You know, it's the full package. Okay, so that stones into bread. Uh, the next one, he was, Jesus was on top of a temple, and the location is key. Right? So he, this is the pinnacle of the religious world at the time, and he was tempted to jump off. And so think about it. What's, what's the devil trying to, to get at here? He's talking about either a, a sort of a religious attitude um, or potentially he's showing, he's, he's an, you know, as somebody who probably has a slightly more charismatic bent, um, there is a danger for people looking for signs which don't necessarily glorify God. And I think that that is, some, you know, in some ways... Jesus answers that himself. He's like, you, you won't, he was asked for a sign later on in his, his life. You won't see another sign other than the cross. Um, and yet Paul also says, you know, we preach with power and that you can see the power of the Spirit at work. So I think we need to hold these two things in tension. And, I, and you know, this is not a conclusion which I can necessarily say is true for everyone, but there's something feels to me about it's when it glorifies God or when, it, when it's really assisting somebody else. If, if the signs that we look for are glorifying ourselves, you know, or showing we've got it right, you know, God is not interested in that at all. Um, and so, you know, what is this kind of temptation? It's the temptation to feel that you're saved, superior from everyone else. Um, this part in the Bible is the only time the devil quotes the Bible, okay? Using holy words for an evil purpose. Right? How often do we you know, hang on to one tiny little piece and use it as a stick, um, you know, not in love? We need to be quite careful of that kind of thing um, and just thinking that we're sort of all right. You know. um, so, yeah, that's, uh, so that's some thoughts about jumping off the temple and what it might mean for us. And then the last one, kingdoms of the world. One second. So um, he's taken to the top of a mountain and uh, the devil shows him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And um, he says, all this I'll give to you if you bow down to him. So first thing to note here, which is interesting, is that Jesus doesn't respond by saying that it's not correct what the devil was offering him. Okay, he doesn't respond by saying, these are not yours to give. Okay, and that's actually quite key because there is the kingdom of heaven, which is everything under God's kingship. And then there are kingdoms of the world. And the word, the word that he uses here, world, is sort of thinking the inhabited world. right? It's like the Roman, 
you know, you could think of it as the sort of Roman civilization almost, is that, is that kind of word. Jesus doesn't respond with, say, Psalm 24, the world is his and everything in it, okay, or the earth is his and everything in, in it, and the world. So, and there the world is really referring to the earth, okay? So there's two different words being used here. One is kind of cosmos, but it's referring to the, the um, you know, inhabited world, and the other is the earth. And the inhabited world and their splendor are really those kingdoms and organizations, structures, societies, which are not honoring God. That's what he's saying. And the devil's saying, they're mine to give. Okay, so we need to be very careful whose kingdom are we building you know, as we live our life. This is, you know, what is the temptation here? It's the, it's the temptation for need of control, um, for importance, for power, um, the splendor of the world. You know, you can, again, where does this fit into that? Um, you know, that's, I think that, you know, we as a, as, a, as a church need to also think about what is our foundation? Who do we trust on? Whose kingdom are we building? When things go wrong, where do we turn to? You know, are we relying on the structures to fix it? You know, the corporations or the insurance or whatever it is? Or do we, do we build God's kingdom? Okay, so as we come to time of prayer, we're going to sing a song. Um, and the intention of this time is really to, to pray and to start off by just listening. What is God speaking to us? That might be a word for you as an individual. That might be a word that you feel is you know, something to pray for us as a church family. And um, so we, how are we doing for time? Yeah. So we might have as much as 10 minutes where we just are quiet and listening to what God is saying. Feel free to pray in your heart and all the rest of it. We're going to then, I'm going to put the mic in the, the front. And if there's a prayer that you feel, this is a prayer that I want everyone else to hear, then come up and you, we can share that prayer. Um, there may be something, a word that you feel like God has put on your heart um, or something that you feel that you should share, then feel free to. If you're not sure, you can always chat to me and say, do you think this is something worth sharing? So um, that's, how it, that's how it's going to work. I hope you don't mind silence. We're not going to do a sort of turn to your neighbor and pray because that can always make people feel a bit awkward. Uh, it doesn't always work very well. But, um, you know, and then there might be some time of corporate prayer, okay, at the end where we just call out those prayers uh, where we're sitting. So that's the plan. But let's, let's just stand now and turn our eyes to Jesus as we sing this song, okay?
Every day.